Hi, I'm Callie Miller. Growing up in an alcoholic home requires us to tell lies to ourselves and to others. And I've learned over the years that these lies can become toxic, that these secrets can literally make us sick, that what we never look at can never be healed, and that telling our stories and saying out loud what has happened to us can open the door to our healing. That's why I created this podcast, This Space, so we can have a safe place to share our stories. You are not alone, and this is the Change of Air podcast. So I've spent the last few days in Yosemite National Park, and while I feel always that a certain little magic dust is sprinkled on every single person who enters this amazing park. I know it's not just this park that makes me feel so at ease, so much calmer, so much more myself. It's every national park I've ever been to. It's every local community park I've ever been to. It's every lake. It's every ocean. Every few minutes spent standing in my garden in Joshua Tree. It's sitting by the river right now that you can hear next to me. Any time I'm in nature, I feel the most calm. And at the very same time, I feel the most me. And I'm not a calm person by nature. Time spent sitting by an alpine lake after a hike, particularly after I hiked to said alpine lake, has been one of the most powerful experiences for me in listening to myself and learning myself and finding enough quiet time to hear myself. It's no secret to longtime friends of Change of Air that I attribute hiking to helping me heal after my stepfather died of cirrhosis of the liver, after my mother had died the same way 20 years earlier. Hiking is also what helped me heal after my marriage ended. I truly didn't know what to do with myself. I could barely get out of bed The pain and the grief of those losses cracked me open. And for the first real time in my life, even after reading all the ACOA books and going to the meetings and doing all the good ACOA things, that was truly the first time that I began to look at and deal with my childhood and how growing up with two alcoholic parents had affected every decision I had made up until that point. I started hiking after a long hiatus, right around that time. As I said, I couldn't get out of bed. I didn't know what to do with myself. So I just started hiking. I hiked until my feet bled. I hiked through so many tears. I I wept my tears dry. I wept my eyes dry out on those, those trails. Step after step mile after mile, whether it was giant walls, beautiful lakes, all the trail flowers I always share with you guys on Instagram, every trail squirrel, every deer I saw in a clearing, even the occasional bobcat gave me just enough beauty to focus on and just enough silence that I could finally hear myself think. And when you can finally hear yourself think, you can finally figure out what you want, what you need, who you are, who you want to be, what you want your life to look like. 
I made big life shifts out in these mountains, out on these trails. I listened to myself for long stretches on hours of dusty switchbacks. And it wasn't because I accomplished big things out there. I wasn't hiking Half Dome every day. I didn't make big shifts because I was scaling literal mountains. It wasn't because I felt I had accomplished big things out in the wilderness. It was simply because I was out in nature that I could finally make big decisions. Eventually, it occurred to me that nature was the thing. Uh, Yes, it was me and what I was going through, but nature allowed me to access parts of me and silence and my own thoughts in a way that nothing else did. It occurred to me that nature was the thing that was making this possible. And so I wanted to know more. Why was nature one of the only places I could hear myself think? Why was any nature, not even a big hike, just seeing a park for five minutes? Why was it such a big salve for me? What was its secret power to return me to myself? And why did I struggle every time I was out in nature and then had to return back to the city? I always noticed I would try to extend and extend and stay a little longer. So I started to investigate. And what I found changed my life in a yet more profound way than nature already had. And I suspect it may also change yours. So what did I find? As you hear this water rushing past me, take it in. Let it wash over you. And though you aren't here with me and you can't see the enormous walls surrounding me in Yosemite or see the birds scoofing around across the banks or the squirrels chasing each other or the family just across the way that may come over and interrupt me (laughs) and the sunlight on the river at sunset. I hope you can begin to get a sense even as you're listening and not here of the calming effect of nature of what just a few minutes of hearing that rushing water and imagining the scene can do to your nervous system it turns out many many studies have been done on this effect on what is it about nature that allows us to feel so different. It turns out that people who are exposed to natural scenes and and being in nature and spending time in nature aren't just happier or more relaxed. The very building blocks of their physiological well-being are directly affected by being out in nature. So what is it? What is it about nature that is different than being in the city. I lived downtown forever. There were quiet moments early in the morning that were very peaceful, but they never made me feel the way I feel right now, sitting next to this stream, talking to you. Why is that? So it turns out that architecture has its own specific beauty. And while some people prefer downtown LA and urban environments to natural environments, nature in particular 
has a specific architecture that is very different than man-made architecture, buildings, streetscapes, etc. I know a little about this because my dad is an architect. But what is it specifically about nature? So just before the dawn of the 20th century, someone named William James, he was kind of an early giant of modern psychology, did a study and kind of explained that our attention comes in two different forms. The first form is directed attention, which allows us to focus on like driving and writing and running a, a, a podcast. <laughs> uh, reading a book also requires dedicated attention. Um, any math tasks, a lot of our work tasks require dedicated, directed attention. And you'll notice that while you're reading or driving for long hours at a period of time or doing a really detailed spreadsheet, you'll notice that your attention, your directed attention, starts to wane. You kind of start to zone out, lose your place. Especially if you've been doing a directed attention task for a long time. The second form of attention is involuntary attention, which comes easily. It doesn't require us to focus on that spreadsheet or how to work a phone or driving a car and paying attention to all the signs whizzing past us. Involuntary attention doesn't require any mental effort at all. And that's where nature comes in. Nature is involuntary attention. It doesn't require much of us. And that's kind of the theme throughout all of the research that I've spent the past several years pouring over. And I'll share a lot of the books and the research studies um, and the findings in the show notes, because I think you'd find them really interesting. There are several books we're going to talk about in the future together uh, in the Change of Air course, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, but truly, it's this idea of Nature does not demand much from us. We can simply be in it. And that relaxation and that pause is because we don't have to look at all of the road signs. We don't have to do formulas in Excel. We can simply be and experience it without doing anything, without any mental effort at all. So in that way, Nature restores our mental functioning kind of in the same way that food or water restores our bodies. The business of work, of life, of making decisions, of using our directed attention is depleting. And so in this way, as we get back to kind of thinking about architecture, man-made environments, buildings, streetscapes, cityscapes, take away our energy because they require so much of our attention. Nature, by contrast, doesn't require anything of us. And as you think about being in ACOA and how much has been required of us since we grew up and then since we recognized what we've grown up in, it's kind of this constant struggle, right? Every day to be mindful of our triggers and responses and giving us enough space to respond correctly and making sure we're in our resilient zones and all the things we need to do to be functioning adults, functioning ACOAs, 
It requires so much of our directed attention and work to just be present and process all our stuff and show up differently and heal. So while it makes sense that nature is a cell for everyone because it requires less attention, we can simply be in it without making decisions, without having to read road signs, without having to check our triggers, it makes even more sense why as ACOAs, nature is so soothing. We've spent our lifetimes hypervigilant, hyper-aware, checking everything. And in nature, I mean, you have to be aware of bears. I did see a bobcat this morning. Uh, you do have to be mindful <laughs> depending on what you're doing. But in general, sitting by this stream right now, it feels pretty safe. I don't feel like I have to walk, you know, be actively, actively attentive. Although now I've said that I should probably just check my back for any bears. Um, but you can see why nature is even more profound for people who grew up in any kind of disordered home or any, any way in which they were so hypervigilant, having to make so many decisions all of the time. Nature allows us to simply be because we don't have to make a lot of decisions. So there's this theory that psychologists call attention restoration theory, or ART, A-R-T. And it sort of posits that urban environments are draining because they force us to direct our attention to specific tasks. And they grab our attention, even with billboards, advertisements, I think of driving through downtown LA, like, you know, really shouting at us for attention. Look here, look here, see this advertisement, see this billboard, uh, see this sign at the top of this building. And that these demands are very draining. These same demands are completely absent in nature. Forests, streams, rivers, like the one I'm sitting next to, lakes, oceans, they demand very little of us. They are engaging, they're ever-changing, they're attention-grabbing, but they don't require us to make choices, which helps us regulate our nervous systems. So the difference between a natural landscape and an urban landscape is how they command our attention. While man-made landscapes and buildings and architecture and streetscapes bombard us with stimulation, nature gives us a chance to think as much or as little as we'd like. And it gives us an opportunity to replenish our mental resources rather than drain them. And as I sit here listening to this water and seeing this beautiful landscape, and as I think of how many times I've been frustrated or overwhelmed or I'm facing a big decision, I'm always amazed that nature restores me to myself. I'm always amazed that just a little hike, not a huge one, you don't have to go to Yosemite, you can walk across the street to the park, even in a big city. I'm always amazed that I'm almost returned to myself, that I am clearer in my mind, I can make big decisions more easily, and now it makes sense to me. Of course I can, because nature isn't demanding anything else from me. It's why I could finally hear my own thoughts, because there were no competing visual things. There, was there were no other decisions to make. So it makes sense, right? 
But it's not just that nature allows us to restore our mental resources because we don't have to make as many decisions. It's not demanding so much of our attention. There are also a lot of upsides to being in nature that aren't just relaxing or peaceful or that allow us to finally hear ourselves think. But there are a lot of physical benefits. And as we think about the ACEs test and we think about growing up with adverse childhood experiences. And if you've taken that test, um, you know there's a link in bio always and on the site. I'll add the link here for show notes as well. That the number of adverse childhood experiences we've had can impact our physical health. We are more predisposed to diabetes, to heart disease, to lung disease, to cancers. Um, Growing up in those stressful environments has an impact not just on our mental well-being and all of the things we know we need to navigate every day, but they have a direct impact on our physical health and our longevity. And so when we talk about nature and how wonderful it is to be in it, it's important to think, you know, as I did the research, I was really pleasantly surprised to find that it's not just a lovely feeling thing. It actually has a wonderful counterbalance, particularly for those of us who grew up with adverse childhood experiences and are, by, by growing up in those environments, already predisposed to greater health risks. Being in nature for just 120 minutes a week, that's two 60-minute outings, reduces our blood pressure, reduces our cortisol levels, which is the absolute marker of stress and inflammation in the body. And inflammation in the body leads to every kind of disease. As I know, I work with a lot of doctors. They talk about inflammation all day, every day. People who are exposed to nature have reduced levels of cortisol, reduced stress, reduced pretty much everything. (laughs) So if you're not convinced, and I know so many people who love the idea of nature. But who aren't totally sold on the idea of a hike, certainly not sold on the idea of camping, uh, bugs, bears, whatever it is. If the nature part doesn't get you, which it does for me, as you guys know, I'm such a sucker for nature. But if the nature doesn't do it for you, maybe a few of these additional resources will do it for you. So, so many studies have been done, and I just want to kind of run through some of the benefits. So you can kind of see how it's not just the visual calm aspect, but maybe you'll find your way to a park if you knew the physical benefits. So some of them. In a 2008 study on the cognitive benefits of nature, found that subjects who took a nature walk did better on memory tests than people who walked down urban streets. In a 2012 study, it was found that nature walks benefit people suffering from depression. Not only that, but they felt more motivated and energized to kind of get out of their depression. A 2016 study revealed, as I mentioned, 
outdoor being outdoors reduces stress and lowers hormone cortisol in your body, which we, which is all related to inflammation. Nature walks and other outdoor activities, according to a 2019 study, build your attention and focus and help you better perform at work, give you heightened concentration, and in a this year's study, reduce your chances of developing ADD, attention deficit disorder. A study at the University of Kansas in 2012 even found that spending more, times outdoor, more time outdoors and less time with your devices can increase problem-solving skills and improve your creativity. Just a few of the <laughs> upsides to spending a little time in nature. Environmental psychologists have argued for decades that there is a value component added to, human na- to the human-nature relationship and that by staying close to nature, we feel more grateful and more appreciative, like seeing what's all around us. As I look up at these walls, as I see these beautiful rocks reflected in the water and the, the end-of-day sun, that seeing all these wonders outside automatically fosters within us an urge to protect it, to preserve it, to think about our own legacy, and to be grateful. And we know from the journaling episode, and we've talked a lot about journaling, how important gratitude is in just being present and being aware of, you know, as we struggle as ACOAs with so much, (laughs) as we all know, even simply three gratitudes a day of, I'm so grateful to be sitting by this river right now. I'm so grateful to be in Yosemite right now. I'm so grateful for you all who are listening to this right now. Just the very act of noting what you're grateful for engenders more good things to be grateful for. Just the simple act of noticing what is good helps you notice yet more good which eventually leads to you wanting to create yet more good. And so in the same way, a lot of studies have started to show that the very act of being in nature not only is great for all these physical benefits, for our concentration, for our creativity, for reducing cortisol levels, for reducing heart disease, all of those things, it also fosters a sense of gratitude within us and wonder. Like what I'm looking at right now is really beautiful and I'll share photos they want you all to see this but whatever that is for you whether it's a park across the street whether it's spending a few minutes outside every morning on your patio even if your patio is in downtown LA or any city the the mere act of witnessing nature and appreciating it fosters within us yet more appreciation, not just for nature, but for our life, for the life that we're in, the life that we're living, even though we still have all of the challenges we have, sort of shifts the perspective a little bit. That makes a lot of sense. And that explains so much um, what I feel when I'm out here in nature. Studies have also been done around breathing in nature, breathing in the woods, which I'm sort of at a stream and a clearing, but I'm definitely surrounded by a lot of trees, that breathing in nature gives us 
a sensory awareness of our own bodies connects us to our bodies, even unconsciously, in a way that we aren't quite aware of when we're moving about our busy lives in the city. Just to stand outside and breathe this fresh air connects us to our bodies, makes us more mindful of what we see, what we hear, what we smell, what we feel. It's all connected. It's all related. Which makes so much sense. <laughs> um, so that's, you know, sort of, there's a lot of other research, which I'll share with you as links in the show notes. But I wanted to just share, since I'm here in Yosemite in particular, and this is something that you guys know I talk about a lot and sh certainly share a lot of my hikes and a lot of the flowers I see along the way. Less the wildlife, but I, I share a lizard every now and then. But I really wanted to kind of put a finer point on not just this vague idea of nature and why it might feel good, but really what is the research behind it? Um, and I was so pleased to find that the data makes complete sense. <laughs> it completely explains my experiences out here. So I hope for you... And this is something we'll do in the Change of Air course if you join us for the monthly course. A little bit of time every day in nature is shown to have dramatic effects on our mental well-being, but also our physical well-being reducing cortisol. As you think about your life, whether you're a nature person or not at all a nature person, are there places in your day or maybe even just your week or twice a week, that you can get outside, outside of an urban environment with man-made architecture that requires your attention, requires decision-making, requires directional choices. And can you get yourself, again, whether you really love nature or kind of really hate it, can you get outside and see what you see and see what you experience? and see what shifts. It need not always be a week-long trip to Yosemite. It can be as simple as standing outside on your patio, driving to a local park, taking off your shoes and putting your feet in the grass, even if it's your neighbor's grass, <laughs> for just a few minutes. And in doing that, Do you want to spend yet more time in nature? And if you do, and maybe it's 20 minutes, maybe it's an hour, maybe it's a day hike, maybe you include friends. I spent so much time doing it alone that I'm really comfortable in nature alone because I can really hear myself think and really kind of kind of make big big life decisions in nature. Like I know when I have a big work decision to make or a big life decision to make without even realizing it, I'll plan a hike. Even on big, you know, big stressful work days, I will just get right outside. I moved to Joshua Tree from from downtown LA for a reason. I can now at the end of a day, in the middle of a day, after a stressful conversation, after something triggers some old childhood wound, I can get off my Zoom, close my computer, and within minutes be on a hiking trail right next to my house. 
my nervous system has changed completely by being out in nature and being able to that quickly recognize I'm triggered and get outside. And I will say that for those I've introduced nature to who are not nature people at all, hate bugs, don't own hiking shoes, barely own tennis shoes, and if they do, it's just to go to the gym, uh, they have also seen the benefits of, you know, maybe they'll never do backpacking, maybe they'll never hike all day on a 10-mile hike, but they too have noticed that just moving into a space that requires less demand on their brain and on their nervous system has calmed them down and can be a great resource and a great tool. You know, we talk a lot on this podcast about healing tools. What are all the tools in your toolkit? Nature is, and this is kind of how I like to think about it. It's not necessarily a way of life, although I would say it is for me. I think every vacation I ever take is in nature, almost exclusively now that I think about it. But nature is a wonderful tool in your toolkit of healing. If you're feeling triggered, if you can't hear yourself think, if you can't figure out what you want, if you know something needs to be kind of worked out and you don't, you you can't find a place, nature can be that wonderful go-to to say, ah, instead of exercise, which is also great, and you can exercise in nature, a double, double benefit, think about nature as a tool in your toolkit. When can you get outside? How can you allow the environment around you to just let you be and finally hear yourself think? And I'm going to leave you with a little, hopefully you've heard the wonderful water this entire time, but I'll leave you with a little bit more. Maybe you can return to this episode again and again if you need just a little bit of silence, a little bit of water, a little bit of nature. But I encourage you to think about nature and your time in nature as a great tool in your toolkit. Whenever you need something, you need to be replenished, nourished, you need to make a decision. It's been really powerful for me. And to learn that the upside, that there are so many physical benefits in addition to just how it makes me feel um, really kind of seals the deal for me. And I wanted to share that with you. So here's a little extra nature sounds. Sending you all so much love. Thank you again, as always, for listening. I'll close out with some noises of the river. There is a car (laughs) very far away. And I'll share some of the photos of this beautiful spot so you can return to it again and again, um, even if you can't get away every time. Thank you so much for listening. Here's your Merced River in Yosemite National Park. Until next time.